What we wanted to make sure was that there was transparency. We wanted to make sure they knew they need to protect parents' rights. The state doesn't give parents their rights, but we need to codify that those those rights are protected. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber. This podcast is a behind the scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating movies about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective. I'm Amber Archer, co-founder and host of this show. And you can learn more about Fearless Features and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. And today I have special guest Diana Richards from Texas joining me as some states like hers recently wrapped up their state political party uh, platform conventions for next year. And Diana was part of the platform processes. And I can't wait to hear from her and get her perspective for the direction uh, just of where their party, the GOP Republican Party is going in Texas next year. Diana, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Amber, for having me on. This is such a blessing. I really yeah, hope that this, is a, that this definitely encourages others um, to, to kind of introduce myself. I am a mom of school age kids. I am a native Texan. I have family that goes back to the Alamo. So I'm fiercely protective of my state, but even more protective of my family and God's word. And it was unbelievable just getting to watch God work last week uh, during the Texas GOP convention. Um, it, it, I was truly honored to get to see all the connections that he made. So wonderful. Yeah. So first, can you kind of set the stage for people? So I was, I've been talking about this convention and last week I had um, Mama Bears Rising on the podcast. And so I'm always interested in getting everybody's perspective, kind of get this full circle picture of what's happening. And you were really a part of a lot of these processes. Can you kind of tell people about the convention? You know, what's its function and and goal and how you were involved? Absolutely. Um, you know, I started doing work to try to expose the the problems with like obscenity and pornography and such about 10 years ago. And in early 2019, people came to us and said, you really got to start educating the legislators. And I said, well, how do we do that? And they asked me if I'd ever been to a precinct convention. And I said, no, what's that? Um, and I was blessed to have people put into my life who were able to explain things and just walk me through the process. And I didn't realize that there was a precinct convention that happens after the uh, primary in March. So the Republican primary happens and after polls close, some of the precincts will have their precinct convention that same night. Some, they put it off for maybe about a week. Well, when you say precinct, so tell people, what does that mean? So the precincts are um, areas of Texas, smaller areas that are maybe um, several neighborhoods in a town. Um, so I am a precinct chair over multiple neighborhoods in my area, and I would help the um voters in that area make sure that they're registered, know where to go on early voting and election day, things of that sort. And also to help listen to them and bring their concerns to this precinct convention. And what I love about um, Texas GOP and the Republican Party uh, in general is that we're a bottom up uh, process. So we want to get the ideas. Really the grassroots. Concerns. 
Yeah, from the grassroots and move those ideas up the chain. And so people come in with all their different God-given skills and we make that language more concise and uh, really be able to inform the legislators on what we want to see them tackle in the next session. So our next legislative session um, doesn't start until January 2023. And so we're right now in the period of time where we're really trying to educate the legislators on those issues. So being able to go to the convention, work my way up from the precinct convention to the county and Senate district where we took those resolutions that were sent in from the public, from the from the uh, Republican voters. Those resolutions went in and said, hey, so much has happened in the last two years. We've really got to tackle our platform, make it more concise. We even reduced the number of planks, which are um, the resolutions that get voted into our platform. We want our legislators to be able to look at that document and go, okay, these are the voters who have put me in this seat and they expect me to represent them and to really tackle these issues. The resolutions then bring people to the convention, to the state convention, where they get time to give public testimony. And some of the testimony that we heard, oh, wow, (laughs) just about family members who they lost in hospitals, things of that sort, um, but also what they saw when their kids were home and being educated at home, um, those parents got a bird's eye view of what was in the curriculum. And they Mm -hmm. said, we're not okay with this. And I think that's really where parents began to wake up. If there is any silver lining to what we went through over the last two years, it's that parents got that huge wake up call. And grandparents, too. Um, yeah, because a lot of a lot of your party planks really are focused on children and the protection of children. Yeah, it's amazing that our priorities, which are the top eight issues that the Republican Party of Texas feel that uh, these need to be addressed uh, in our next legislative session. Those top mm-hmm. eight, four of those deal with protecting children, um, born and pre-born or unborn, whichever uh, word they want to use now. And what we found is that all of these have to do with sanctity of life, marriage, sanctity of sex, um, and then protecting children from sexualization and gender modification that are rooted in the same eugenic evil as abortion. We don't want the denial of dignity, the value of a person. We even got a platform plank in there that says we want to make sure that every school, every student, by the time they um, get through high school, they have fully learned about the uh, fetal milestones. That Mm -hmm. was something that was eliminated. And so, so many kids were graduating, not fully understanding that that's a baby. Yeah. So, um, so take, so take us to the convention and mm-hmm. who, who goes 
And, uh, you know, is it important for everyday citizens to attend or how tell people how this works and and, you know, should they be looking forward to the next one? But not only that, now that that convention is over and people can find um, the party platform planks and their priorities, you know, what do they do now? So take us to the convention. What what happened? So at the convention, you have delegates and alternates who go and they're able to vote on uh, the priorities and on the platform planks and even on the rules of how this convention is going to be carried out. The delegates start off going to that precinct convention. You kind of have to start um, in March of that year after the primary and kind of go through these series of conventions. And they're, they're not Um, multi-day conventions. They just may be a few hours to, uh, you know, one Saturday and you go through and you say, yes, I want to be a delegate to the state convention. I want to go. And you fill out a little short application and then they get you all set up. It all depends on the uh, elections in your area, how many delegates can go. So maybe One area might be able to bring 65 people. Another area may only be able to bring 20 people. But um, they do that in order to um, uh, give more say to, say, the counties that are 70, 75, 80 percent Republican voting. These delegates then go in and they are able to be there to testify. They'll definitely be there to vote on those three days of the main convention. Now, what I was blessed to get to do, I'm still reeling, like, how did I get this? (laughs) I know, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. uh, I just go, wow, anybody can do this. If I can do this, anybody can do this, okay? So Mm -hmm. I don't have any letters at the end of my name. I am not an expert in a political subject, but my- Just a parental expert. I'm a mom. So I think I have about 25 jobs. Is that right? 25? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, chaos coordinator, I think that's my title. Oh, um, I love it. I'm feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, we get a chance to talk with our SRECs, which stands for our um, state Republican executive committee man and committee woman. Each Senate district has a man and a woman who helps to coordinate this convention and um, and really rally everybody together. They, I know their, their uh, job description is much longer than that, but uh, they actually uh, do the appointing to the different committees. And my SREC committee people, they decided that uh, due to the work that I had done in protecting children, Uh, that they would put me on the platform committee. And I am completely wowed. Uh, I definitely got with the the woman who was there before me. Um, I could not fill her shoes. Um, And she said, no, don't worry. God has put you there for a reason. And on this platform committee, I was one of 31. Um, In Texas, we have 31 Senate districts. That's 31, one for each of the Proverbs. And and also in our house, when you look at the House representatives, there's 150 there for one for each of the Psalms. I love that. And that meant that the population of a Senate district is usually right around eight or nine hundred thousand people. So you can tell I was a little bit nervous, Um, (laughs) 
but I knew that I would just keep relying on God's word, relying on the truth. And, um, and God would show me why I was called to be in that seat. As a part of the platform committee, I then had the opportunity to be on the education subcommittee. So there's multiple subcommittees, like for elections and for constitutional issues and state affairs. I got to be a member of the education subcommittee. And that was like, I want to be right there, right there. And then I got to be the chair of the health and human services subcommittee. And I think they put me in this role because of my uh, insurance background, but also my advocacy background, being a medical advocate, a medical power of attorney, um, being an advocate for myself and also for my loved ones. It really kind of gave me an inside look as to what was going on over the last two years. And so much of the education and uh, health committee, um, like subcommittee platform planks really go hand in hand. So I love that I got to be on both of those committees. What we wanted to make sure was that there was transparency. Um, We wanted to make sure they knew they need to protect parents' rights. The state doesn't give parents their rights, but we need to codify that those, those rights are protected. It was amazing to see the process work. And again, it was from bottom up. So I had in health and human services, like a, a stack of maybe 90 pages um, of resolutions that came from all over the state through those state, uh, sorry, through those SD or Senate district conventions. And I would look through them and go, okay, is this wording going to make our platform stronger? Is it going to um, seem like a duplicate? Where can we make things more concise, not vague, but concise so that our lawmakers can get this information and go, oh, I get it. I see what they want. And they're able to formulate a good bill and get that bill passed. So this is really where the community gets to come together to uh, put forth things that they would like to see their elected officials move forward with in the next session, which you said starts in January. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And they really appreciate having the guidance. Right, because they can't, they can't know everything about everything. Correct. I mean, we have legislators that are accountants, so they're not going to know about all the school issues or the obscenity issues, but we also have legislators who are attorneys. So they get it. They are able to dive into the penal code and look into the evidence that we give them. Um, there are some who uh, have been teachers or they're, they come from a long line of teachers And my hope is we can show that there is a way to protect parents' rights, uh, give complete transparency of what's going on, and still retain our teachers. I think our teachers have been stuck in the middle, caught in the middle of this, and it's just been uh, one more stress situation, you know, on top of having to teach to a test, which is very stressful for the teacher and for the student, then to find that there's so many obscene books, truly pervasively vulgar and educationally unsuitable books that have gotten into um, our libraries. And this has probably been going on for more than two years, but that's when we really woke up to the, the issue. I try to tell people, we know that pornography is damaging to the human brain. 
it's damaging to the adult human brain. So what is it doing to the children's brains? There's a lot of talk about mental health and putting more money into mental health services in schools. I'm sure there's a lot of positive things that can come out of that. But we also say, hey, we're the parents and we have to be a part of this process from the very beginning, not just keeping us in the loop, but from the very beginning evaluation on parents must be a part of that process. And I feel that getting the pornography, the obscene literature out of schools and out of their online resources is a huge step in helping children's mental health. They can heal. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in people who were pornography addicts for years and years, decades even. And once they abstained, once they removed that from their life, like pull the glass out of the wound, right? Mm -hmm. The light that came back in their eyes and it didn't take long. The brain has an amazing ability to heal itself. We hear a lot about neuroplasticity. These kids can can begin that healing process right now. They don't need to wait until next year when more legislation is passed and they put in more mental health things. We can start helping the kids right now by getting the pornography, even out of the technology. I was amazed that there's schools that allow kids to have their iPhones with them all day long, you know, in class, they're texting people, they're not actually listening to the teacher. And um, I thought, wow, why aren't they putting those phones into a basket or putting them <laughs> into yeah, a really? location just so that they're not constantly thinking about that next text or that next. Well, and, and the teacher shouldn't have a, the teacher shouldn't have to battle for the attention of the students either. I mean, what I can't even imagine going to school as a teacher And feeling like I'm constantly being ignored and then people wonder why they're failing a class. (laughs) They're not paying attention anyway. So absolutely. I know that the I know that the media likes to make this issue um, out to be like parents versus teachers. And that is not it at all. I know that the vast majority of teachers, they are there because they love children and they want to help children. Do we have a small minority of librarians and teachers who are in more of an activist role. Yeah, we do, but they are not the majority. And I want to be able to help teachers that uh, want to do the right thing to be able to do that and not fear losing their jobs or being canceled. It really has become a very stressful situation for our teachers and we're losing them daily. I mean, they're, they're fleeing their loved, beloved careers if we could help them in the classroom where kids don't have that mental and emotional stress on them, uh, we know that viewing violence, viewing pornography, it actually increases cortisol and other stress hormones. Um, those things cause outbursts. They cause discipline problems. So why aren't we doing the things that are free right now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Get the obscene books out. We still have so many school districts that are fighting parents. I mean, calling the police, having the police remove them or meet them in the parking lot and say, you're not allowed here. And if you don't leave in 30 seconds, we're hauling you in. It just blows my mind. So back to what uh, individual parents can do, because so here here you've you've set out all of these priorities that for the new year. So the work is not over 
And people who want to get involved, they still can get involved and should get involved uh, if they really want to help shape the direction and future of our kids, of our of your state and even nation. So how, what is it now that people really need to be kind of, if somebody says, you know, they're listening to this and, Hey, how can I get involved? You know, I'm in Texas. How can I get involved? Where do they, where should they start? Where do they need to go? Well, the first thing that they can do is um, talk with their friends, find out where there is uh, a conservative group, a Republican group that meets. Um, They usually meet like, once a month, something, uh, some group that they can join to really learn about the issues, but also to just say, hey, what are we doing as a community um, to either help get the best candidate elected in November? How do we vet these candidates and make sure that they're on board with these legislative priorities that I saw come out? Who do I talk to? You know, really talk with the community and And then they're actively getting other people involved as well. What we want to do is make sure that people know there are a few websites that they could go to if they're interested in the priorities that have to do with uh, parents' rights and education. There's one website that uh, has some great information on it. And we actually were thrilled to see these priorities get through. And that's TexasEd911.com. So it's Texas spelled out ed911.com. That's one of the the spots where organizations from all over the state have really come together. We linked arms at the convention. It was wonderful to hear the the mama bears and papa bears and grandparent bears (laughs) roar. With um, jubilation, I mean, it was it was definitely a joyful noise when these planks or these resolutions were adopted, these priorities were adopted. And it brings me back to um, to the things that we heard from the administration over the last years. I think the administration said things like, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach and not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. And children don't belong to parents when they're in the classroom. And Texas parents went, what? (laughs) We showed up, we showed up and we, we not only blocked that uh, from the Republican platform, but we said, we actually want more transparency. And you know what? If the curriculum makers, if the book vendors, if they're not doing anything wrong by marketing this uh, woke curriculum to our schools, then they wouldn't mind having some extra transparency there. Oh, well, this it, it's it's so fascinating for me uh, to just to hear, you know, the political processes and help other people understand because you can look at it and think, oh, I can't, I can't do that, but but truly. We all have a job to do. There's there is something that we could each do to make a good change for the better in our communities and really help uh, not just our families, but other families within the community and state. Yeah, they need to bring their ideas, bring their stories. We need to hear those testimonies. You know, just look for the groups, look for the, the Tea Party groups, look for the conservative groups, look for the moms groups and also talk with your pastor. 
Talk with your pastors and say, hey, we we are trying to protect religious freedom also. We're trying to protect parochial schools, Christian schools. There are certain things that they they want coming down the pike that could put government overreach into those schools and into homeschooling. So we really have to stand our ground as parents, as Christians, and lean on God and just say, oh, God, show me where you want me. Please just yeah. use me. And that's how I got started in this is just saying, use me and then hold on. Hold on, because it, it's a wild ride. Because <laughs> he will <laughs> do it. I'm telling you, yeah. the the very first time that I uh, gave testimony, I had three minutes to speak in front of our legislators in 2019, and I had waited about 14 hours, I think, to speak. So I was pretty tired and nervous, and I said my own name wrong. So when, <laughs> <laughs> my own representative was on that committee. He looked at me like, "What?" But, um, right. And you're still here and you still still had a job to do this year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so at least this time at the mic, I said my name, right. And I'm sure I did. I'm sure I messed up at some time. I'm, I I had posting notes everywhere. I did not look organized at all, um, with my subcommittee. And I really was worried about doing the process right and making sure that everyone was heard and, making sure that I looked at each of those Senate district um, resolutions. And then a couple of days later, people I didn't know, people who weren't there trying to get me to approve something for them, right? They came to me and said that my subcommittee meeting was incredibly organized and they really enjoyed watching the public testimony. And they were just, and I was overwhelmed with gratitude and a little fearful at the same time. Like, oh no, what happened in the other ones? <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, and we as moms, we are always the most hard on ourselves about everything yes. that we do. I mean, yes. I, I, you find that across the board. So, well, Diana, thank you so much for joining. Is there anything that you want to tell parents or teachers or just everyday? Can how can how can we encourage others? That is a great question. I think that number one. Um, we treat each other with grace and we smile. And I, I love to let people know that that I'm just a mom. I think people go, you're not just a mom. You do this and this and this. And I go, no, mean, I mean like a mom with the backing of Jesus Christ <laughs> can do so much. So the term just a mom really isn't negative to me at all. I think I actually get a lot done when people underestimate the power of parents. Yeah. Um, I think that if we stay prayerful and leaning on God and putting the children first, he is swinging those doors open wide open. And he's putting people in our lives to give us that encouragement and that training that we need to be effective. I, I couldn't have done this. Uh, five years ago without all the people that he's put in our lives. And I thank you and Mark for all that you have done. Can I just say it was overwhelming to have people come to my subcommittee meeting and give public testimony and say things like, have you seen the mind polluters? (laughs) (laughs) 
It was wonderful. Uh, well, and, good. Oh, 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 I forgot to ask you about that. Were you able to go to one of the screenings? I heard that it was shown four times. It was shown and it was standing room only. I know that there was more than 400 people who got to see the film. And the vast majority of those people had never seen it before. So they weren't just coming for a repeat visit. And yeah. I actually was working in uh, the subcommittee and committee meetings for about 12 to 15 hours a day. I know that sounds crazy, but we had lunch breaks and we had other breaks. And, and so I really didn't get to uh, rub elbows with anybody or go buy the cute stuff in the exhibit hall. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely didn't get to go see the movies, but I'm glad that somebody else could take my seat. You know, yeah. Um, I'm so appreciative. And to have senators and representatives come and testify in our subcommittee meeting and say things like, make sure that these planks don't get removed. We've got to get the obscenity exemption out and all this. And I said, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, that's, and that's our that's our mission. It's the three pillars of our ministry is educate, motivate and inspire. And I, I tell you, I am in awe at the way the Lord is working and using the mind polluters to really educate people and, yes. and just give them a, a foundation, a starting point to go and do their own research and to look into these things because it's it's all across the country. Yes, absolutely. God is blessing, yeah. blessing the film, blessing y'all, blessing all of us who have had even just a, a teeny tiny bit of input into it. It's it, yeah. it's amazing how it's taken off. Yeah. One body, many parts. I love it. <laughs> All right, Diana. Well, thank you so much for joining to me and helping to share some insight into the political processes and how important it is for everyday Americans to get involved in their local communities now more than ever. And can we just say God bless Texas? Yes. God bless Texas. <laughs> uh, thank you, my friend. I can't wait to see you again in a couple of weeks. Well, thank you guys for joining us. That's all the time we have for today. Have a wonderfully blessed day and we will talk to you again next Tuesday. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.